Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. direct your attention to the book of Proverbs tonight, the book of Proverbs, we have a lot of different scripture in the book of Proverbs tonight to share, <clears throat> because in part, the book of Proverbs is peculiar that uh, it may talk about a subject in this chapter, and the same subject in that chapter, and the same chapter, and the same subject it may talk in various different chapters, and so it's almost like a shotgun, it just kind of spread all out through there kind of go gather all the, uh, the verses that, that pertain to a subject matter. Proverbs chapter number 6, we'll also be reading from Proverbs chapter number 30 uh, here this evening. My aim tonight is not to be deeply profound and revelatory, but just to be practical, just to be practical. And I think sometimes we need that just as much as anything else. Amen, just to be practical. Proverbs 6, starting with verse 6. Solomon here, of course, pinning the words in the Proverbs for the most part. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, gather her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep little slumber, little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty rather come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Turning now to Proverbs chapter 30, these are the words of Agur. The Bible speaks to us in the first opening verses. These are the words of Agur. The Bible says in verse 24, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong. And I think the concept or idea about that, you can just, with a swift foot, can get a group of ants under your foot and just kill them, multiple of them at once. But the ants are, are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Amen. Tonight, I'd like, I will not probably get finished tonight. I felt pretty confident about that walking to this podium. But I want to entitle it this sluggard consider the ant very simple sluggard consider the ant amen tonight amen we can pray lord jesus i come to you this evening grateful lord for another time pray oh lord help me god not to take lord the next few moments lord for granted god that we are gathered here together lord to center our lives around the word of god I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would help us and strengthen us, Lord, in the next few moments, Lord, through practical teaching, God, of your word, and we'll give you the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, say amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. In Jesus' name, God set the solitary in families, and I'm glad he gave me family this week that's been helping and aiding uh, me particularly today, and they have fed me and everything else. And so it has just been uh, good to, to be a part of a family, uh, to, be able to, be, to be able to do that. I thought about dedicating this sermon to my mother tonight, 
And that's a kind of an inside joke because my mom has had problems with ants when she lived in Kingsburg. It seemed like they, she brought them with her whenever she came to Mount Carmel. But nevertheless, uh, that's not humorous to anybody but me, so that's okay. <clears throat> Slugger, consider the ant. It's interesting, uh, the Lord is directing, or Solomon even directing our attention to this uh, insect of nature. Uh, the first time that God pointed to nature for a lesson or for some meaning for uh, humanity is whenever he spoke to Noah after the flood and he told Noah and those waters had receded he told Noah that he should he said I do set the bow in the cloud and it shall be a token it's probably one of the first times in scripture the Lord would draw the attention of a man to something of nature so that he could derive a lesson or a meaning uh, from something but now Solomon directs the sluggard, as he's called. It's kind of nice just to let it roll off your tongue. The sluggard, a man, a man, no doubt, any of us, a man that's made in the image and in the likeness of God who was endowed from the very beginning with dominion. He says, sluggard, I want you to go to one of the smallest creatures on the earth and I want you to learn from it. Now, that's quite humiliating almost within itself uh, that Solomon wanted a sluggard to learn something from uh, something that man was given dominion over in the beginning because the Bible says he had dominion over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. He was to go to something that he's supposed to have dominion over and learn something from the end. Quite ironic, uh, to say the least. Amen. But the study of ants, otherwise known as myrmecology, if we would consider just a few traits of an ant tonight, I'm just throwing these out here, making real no comment on them to begin with, but to just give us a little concept and idea about this creature that the sluggard was to be considering and that we are giving consideration tonight. There are over 10,000 different species of ants. And now it just makes you want to go home and start cleaning house, don't it? There are over 10,000 different species of ants and there are more and more of them being discovered every day and added to that list. What is known as a har harvester ant, harvester ant colonies have as many as 40 to 50,000 ants within their colony. It's a lot of ants. Ants communicate by using scent and sound and touch and sight. They gather in groups. They use teamwork to connect tunnels, etc. As a matter of fact, where there may be gaps, if they have a path in route to food and there is a gap in the earth or on the land surface, there's a gap, the ants will assemble and make ant bridges out of their own bodies and link together to, to go over the chasm in the ground and other ants will travel over top of them for the purpose of getting to places of food. So they compensate, if you will, or would otherwise be obstacle to them, they'll compensate. It has been said before, and studies have went into this, and as time goes on, they're learning that ants can support more and more uh, times their body weight. The most recent that I could find was that an ant can carry up to, some can carry up to 50 times their own body weight. And so if us as humans uh, could do this, and a person weighed about 100 pounds, we'd be able to lift about two and a half tons. Uh, just to give you a little reason, a, a comparable picture between us and the ants. 
Some of the ant structures that uh, they have created and made, their colonies have been found reaching 500 times their own height. So evidently they must not be too afraid of heights, but uh, 500 times their own height. Uh, ants secrete pheromones to uh, create a navigation trail when they're foraging the land and they are gathering food. It's almost kind of like a Hansel and Gretel type of fable story. As they're going out for food, they're leaving a scent behind for all the other ants to follow to know where the food is to be able to forage food as well from the same source. Ants in that small, tiny little body has two stomachs. I don't know why God would put two stomachs in something that small and he only gave me one. (laughs) But there's two stomachs inside an ant. One is to store food Uh, for the purpose of having it later or even sharing with someone else later and one is for itself for digestion. The life expectancy of an ant is 45 to 60 days. An ant, you think, well, I think I've seen the same one for the past 60. Well, good luck. He's probably about dead. Amen. But for for 45 or 60 days is the life expectancy of an ant. Army ants live in colonies with populations of several hundred, a thousand. And whenever they are on the march, they can swarm and they can attack everything in their path, including animals for that matter. And if they're not quickly out of the way, they can have them as their meal and everything that consists of them. They have found that some some ant colonies or communities, uh, they found some to have reached as, as low as from the surface of the ground, reaching from there down 35 feet below the ground, meaning that the little hill that you see on top may represent something great lar- larger than what just, just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. In other words, meaning that there's more under the surface to them than what you witness on the surface. And so when we consider all these things, here is King Solomon. He, he compiled the book of the Proverbs for you and I, these wise sayings. And one thing that Solomon all times did, a favorite teaching technique of his, was to contrast things back and forth, a wise man and a fool. Uh, a, a woman that is a woman of a night, a man and a woman that is one that is pure and holy and chaste. And so with this, many times, the way that he would teach, though, would show us about the person we're to act us oppositely of. Uh, and many times whenever he was talking uh, about how we should be wise, he would tell us about all the traits of a fool. And by illustration of how a fool was, we know if we would act opposite to that, then perhaps we would be wise. So it's one of the ways in which he would teach. And so here it is. He has an animal kingdom here showing us, though, uh, how that we are to act as human beings to consider the ant. And the opposite of this ant, as it would be, would be the creature, the sluggard, or a slothful person. And it's kind of comical, really, a sluggard or a, or a slothful person is, is quite of a, a, a comic character. But to consider an ant and what might be the opposite of an ant, there is in real day society something called a sloth. The sloth is, is really contradictory or contrasting to the ant in that it's a two-helper. And so uh, that's the concept of a sloth. I think perhaps this next little ad might uh, capture the idea of a sloth even for our day. This was a classified ad in the San San Francisco Chronicle under a help wanted. This was a help wanted ad. And this is what is in the ad. It says, executive age 25 to 60, job entails sitting with feet on desk watching others work. 
must be willing to spend several hours each day surfing the internet and making personal phone calls on company time. Candidates who play golf every other afternoon are preferred. Salary starts at $2,000 a week. We don't really have this job open. We just thought you'd like to see and print what everyone else is applying for. I knew, I'd get, I knew whenever I was composing this today, I would get an affirmative from Brother Mason over here. Amen. When are we considered the sluggard? If you'll allow me tonight to concentrate a little bit on the, 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 uh, the subject matter of the sluggard this evening and maybe next Wednesday we'll look at the ant a little more closely. The sluggard is the personification of laziness. The sluggard loves to procrastinate. Now I know we don't have anybody that does anything like that ever around our world today. The Bible says, if I can just read one more time, Proverbs 6 and 9, how long wilt thou sleep? This is making reference to the sluggard. O sluggard, when wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. If the sluggard had a motto that he would paint uh, on himself or his vehicle it would be this one word later later not today not now later the sluggard is one that allows opportunity to slip away and no doubt whenever we consider this idea how long are you going to sleep sluggard I mean you want just a little bit more sleep a little bit more slumber folding the heads there's no doubt that sleep and I think we can all agree with this sleep is a blessing from God and I thought the house would just be uproarious with amens after I said something like that. Sleep is a blessing from God. I mean, as a child, they tell you to sleep and you don't want to. And then as an adult, you want to sleep, but you can't. They don't allow you to. It is quite cruel when you really think about it. And sleep has its proper place. There were six days of creation, and on the seventh day, God rested from his work. But here is the attitude of the sluggard concerning this blessing from God called sleep. The sluggard abuses the blessing from God, listen to me, by doing the right thing, sleep, that is, at the wrong time when he should be working. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing from God, but he abuses it. He misappropriates it. He's doing the right thing, but he's doing it at the wrong time when he should be working. And so one of the results of this procrastination of the sluggard is this. I want to enjoy now, and I want to pay later. Sounds a lot like the credit system most of the world lives in today. <laughs> enjoy now, pay later. That's what procrastination wants to do. Well, when we look at the phrases of verse number 11 of Proverbs 6, those two phrases are really two phrases that mirror each other. They are similar to each other. The writer of Proverbs did this many times. He stated one phrase and then he just stated it another way. He said, so shall thy, speaking of the sluggard, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth. The next phrase just mirrors that. It's very similar, the same, identical almost. And, thy, and they want as an armed man. And thy want as an armed man. So poverty and want, they're paralleling each other. The, the one that traveleth and an armed man, they're paralleling each other. Amen. 
for lack, for want, the Bible says, the sluggard will come as a one that traveleth, that is an armed man. Basically, we boil it down to this. Lack or want will come as a robber to the sluggard. In other words, it may come, a robber may come into a home very quickly. A robber may come into a home, though, by degrees. He might have a more calculated approach of how he's going to come into a home and steal and rob. But the Bible is telling us for the sluggard, your want, your poverty is going to come as an armed man that traveleth, as a robber. And so nevertheless, when it comes, it is coming armed. And what that means is when it comes, it's going to be difficult for you to contend with. It's going to be difficult for you to handle because you have been the procrastinator. Let me do what I want now and we'll take care of everything else later. But later is going to have more insult and injury added to what you've already overlooked. The Bible says in Proverbs 26 verse 14, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Again, I can't read some of these verses of Scripture without smiling and think about how humorous the idea of this is. But they are there for the point of driving a point home, amen, to mankind. That the slothful is attached to his bed like a door is attached to its frame by the hinges. Meaning as a door turns on its hinges, so does a slothful person just turn over in bed. Really? Not getting up, take the covers, as it, as it happens in my house, because I always wake up with no covers. I don't know how this happens. They take the covers and they turn. Just a turning in the bed, so to speak. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 9, speaking of the slothful, he's a procrastinator, he's not doing any work. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster or a person who destroys in other words a slothful person or a sluggard is next of kin to a person that destroys or that is a waster and the concept and the idea is this a destroyer does not add anything to the situation and neither does a sluggard there is no adding to a destroyer might take away but for sure they're of kin because neither of them add to a circumstance or a situation a verse in the book of Deuteronomy proves that a person that at ease can be a threat, maybe even of destruction. How in the world can a person of ease be a threat of destruction? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 3 and verse 11, For only Og, everybody say only Og. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of man. I bring this up because just this week, somewhere, even in the chaos of having two kids, I've slid into listening some preaching. And in the process of doing so, Brother Wayne Huntley was preaching last year at the, because of the Times Conference, and he preached on the subject matter, the last giant before Canaan. And it appears because of this scripture of Deuteronomy 3.11 that the only thing we know according to the scripture of King Og is this, that this king had a king-sized bed. Amen. If you break down the cubits, he had somewhere around a 14-foot by 7.5-foot bed. 
He had a king-size bed. And that bed was a bed. It was just an emblem of lethargy, an emblem of complacency, an emblem of ease. Yet it would be the last giant that the children of Israel would oppose before they claimed their promise. In other words, they had to overcome a spirit of the sloth the spirit of the sluggard, the non-active, those who are satisfied with ease before they could enter into their promise. That is the sluggard. Number two, the sluggard does not finish things that he starts. Amen. Nobody go pointing any fingers in your household now. The sluggard does not finish things that he starts. Proverbs 19.24 says, A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom, which is really interpreted dish, mind you, and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. So here is the image. A sluggard, let's say we have a nice, nice table spread with food. The sluggard puts forth his hand to grab the roll out of the bowl but has no effort to take his hand from there to his mouth. The sluggard, he's slothful. He started well, he got that far, but couldn't finish the bending of the elbow to bring the food to his lips. Another, another example of that in Proverbs 12, 27, the Bible says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Mike, what he's saying is the sloth, the sluggard, goes out into the woods. He sits there, waits for the proper time. He kills his beast, but then he doesn't cook it. He has a real good start, but it almost even be similarly like going out to the woods and getting the animal, knowing that you got it, and then not going to find it. Or not dressing it. Just leaving it to do what, let the meat spoil, let it just decompose, whatever. Had a real good, you put all the effort into going to the woods, sitting in the stand, so to speak. I know we're coming up on that time of year. Sitting in the stand, so to speak, maybe for hours in the cold, and then you get what you want, but you don't follow through. That is the concept of the sluggard, and that's the problem with the sluggard. The sluggard does not follow through. The term in golf and baseball, tennis, is always this. They'll critique people because a lot of times some of their problem is they have not a follow-through. In, in, in the swinging of the club or in the swinging of a batter in their tennis racket, they do not follow through. In other words, they start well, but they don't go all the way. They don't finish well. And so the slugger, what he does, he'll fail to enjoy the benefits of his initial labor because he doesn't follow through. He doesn't see one thing through. And so for the sluggard, what he's thinking is this. I'm not neglecting my duty. No. I'm just simply delaying my duty. And I want to put in parentheses, indefinitely. <laughs> indefinitely. See, if, if you're going to delay something indefinitely, by most standards, that's neglecting it. I laugh. You've been there. You guys have been there. We go to business meetings, ministerial business meetings, whether on a national level or a district level. Something comes across the floor, and then someone makes a motion maybe along the line, let's table this issue indefinitely. What that means is this. It's quite humorous. That something has come up on the, the, the business floor, an issue that really nobody wants to deal with. And so if they can table it indefinitely, then they're neglecting it. 
And that's just a fancy way to say that you just neglected something by tabling it indefinitely. It's quite hilarious. But unlike the ant, unlike the ant, the sluggard, the, the ant needs no guide. The ant has no overseer. The ant has no ruler. But the sluggard needs somebody to keep him on task. The sluggard needs somebody to prod him and approach him to get him to finish what he started. He needs somebody to be accountable to. He needs somebody that can supervise him. Amen. And I believe the reason that one of the laws of leadership that they come up with throughout the years have been used over and over is that people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. And I think they had maybe Proverbs in mind of the sluggard concerning that because you just can't leave him to himself to get a job done. you got to inspect and hold him accountable. They need a guide. Amen. They need a guide. And so the natural bent of a slothful person, I think, is not finishing what they started. But number three, the sluggard is full, or I say full, of excuses. They procrastinate. They don't finish what they started, and they're full of excuses. Proverbs 20 and verse 4, the Bible says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the code. Bless its heart. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. What I'm saying is this, a sluggard, a person that adopts the attitude of a sluggard, they'll find an excuse for almost anything, anytime, anywhere. He can't plow today because it's too good. I, I guarantee you the next season he won't be able to plow because it's too hot. Yeah. The mind of the, you know, the mind of the sluggard, the physical body, you all have fun. That's all right. I like to have fun. The body, the physical body of the sluggard's not doing much work. The mind of the sluggard is doing more work than his body is because he's trying to conjure up ways to make excuses and reasons for not working. For not working. He's always thinking of a reason why he shouldn't do that or can't do that or this or the other. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 13, the slothful man saith, there's the slothful man, the sluggard, there is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. Very close to that is Proverbs 26 and verse 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. Now, Reason here with me for a moment. In the, the, the culture and the area where they were, it was possible for lions to be in those regions. It was possible. Everybody say possible. It was possible for a lion to be in the streets, but the likelihood of it was minimal. The likelihood of it. Was it possible? Yes, but the likelihood of it was minimal. But what is really being stated here is this. This is really stated like this, if I could... The sluggard saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Because there just may be a lion in the street. Now, that'd be like me saying, you know what? I'm staying home today. They, they've had, they've had uh, uh, episodes of, of, of jaguars in the area before. So it's possible. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to the bank. I'm not going to the church. It's anymore. I'm not going. I'll tell you why. Because there could be a jaguar. It could be a jaguar in the street. Oh, possibly. Likelihood, very low. But just, just maybe they're just by mere chance be there one out there and I'm going to stay right here and for the sluggard probably in bed. 
Because what happens is this, what the sluggard does, the sluggard fabricates a crisis and then uses that crisis that he fabricated to prohibit him from doing what he didn't want to do anyway. You hear me? He fabricates a crisis that's going to prohibit him from doing what he didn't want to do anyway, but he'll pin the reason, he'll pin the reason for it elsewhere. It's the lion. It's that. It's that. It doesn't have... Instead of pinning it where it really needs to be, I just don't want to. No, 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 no. He's got to pin the reason somewhere else. He's got to create a crisis, a possibility, a mere chance of something happening. That's the sluggard. He's full of excuses. The sluggard, listen, the sluggard makes everyone else's task more difficult. If you need me to come and speak at your business sometime on this subject, man, you just, you just, just make the call. I'll be there. He makes everyone else's task more difficult. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 23, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that sinned, literal interpretation, employ him. Vinegar to the teeth. Vinegar, vinegar is an acid. Vinegar is an acid. It's a weak acid, but it's an acid. Constant diet of vinegar will compromise the enamel. The enamel on your teeth. Uh-huh. Anybody that understands smoke in the eyes understands smoke in the eyes is an irritant. Very much so an irritant to the eyes. He said just as vinegar compromises the teeth and smoke is an irritant to the eyes, a sluggard is that. He is a compromiser and an irritant to anyone that would employ him. Amen. Proverbs 15, 19 says, The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. In other words, the way of the slothful provides what? Provides nothing but difficulty. Thorns provides nothing but trouble for himself and anybody else that is associated with him. And here's the problem. We go back to this idea of the slothful being, being idle or the slothful being a procrastinator. The idleness of the slothful presents other people with problems. And here's where I'm going with that. I can see it in the book of Thessalonians at the Thessalonica church. The apostle Paul had to address this problem. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, the Thessalonian church was plagued with an error. And this is the error that they had. Paul writes to them very extensively and says, I know that you all know that Christ is going to return. I build up your most holy faith in that, that Christ is going to return. But just as I know and you know, both of us know, we don't know when he is going to return. And as a result, what happened was, since they knew Christ was going to return, but they didn't know when he was going to return, there were some of them mistakenly thought that they need not concern themselves with the earthly occupation and earthly things. And so there were some people in Thessalonica that instead of working, were waiting, sitting and doing nothing, waiting for Christ to come. And so Paul told them, he addressed it in 2 Thessalonians 3.11. He says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all. But here's, the, here's where the air went. Here's where the idleness and procrastination of the sluggard brought ill to all people. They're not working at all, but are busy bodies. So well, the Lord's going to come. It could be, you know what? We don't need to do anything. We need to wait on the Lord. 
And so we're not going to do anything. We're not going to concern ourselves with just regular occupation and their idleness, their procrastination, them not doing something opened up them time for something else. And they got in the, the business of being a busy body. And as a result of it, devil took their vacant time in their minds and their life. And now they came sticking their noses to other people's business. And so then the sluggard, if you will, made other people's lives more difficult. Amen? Because it was destructive. This happening was destructive, not just for them, but for whoever also that was a part of the church. That was there as well. Someone say amen. So, we just recap here just for a little bit so to keep where we're at. The sluggard loves to procrastinate. He also, he is full of excuses. He makes everyone else tasks more difficult than his own. Whatever he starts, he does not finish. And number five, the Bible says, or we can glean from the scripture that the sluggard is going to ultimately, out of the way that he's lived our life, going to ultimately be disappointed. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and verse 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard, everybody say desireth. The sluggard wants, the sluggard desires but doesn't want to work for it or toward it. He wants it handed to him on a silver platter. And let me just back up here for a moment because this gets my goat just as well as anything. Be careful before you assume someone has been born with a silver spoon in their mouth because it may have been a very rough, arduous journey to get to where they are and you're just seeing the outcome and have not seen the process. Amen? See, the difference between that person and the sluggard, the sluggard has the desire, the one who finishes has a desire. The difference is one is going to put forth the effort and the work, the other one is not. That's the sluggard. And sometimes I see sluggards condemning the ones that finished and put it off as, well, they just got handed a good deal. Are you all right? Oh, man, I'm, I feel just a little bit coming in here right in this little spot. Well, God help me. Lord Jesus, I want it to be you. Can I do a case in point? Maybe I shouldn't. Should I? Should I? God, tell me about it. Case in point. Case in point. <laughs> um, I, I, love, I love my family. I love my family. Um, whether immediate or, or extensive, I love my family. really do. Um, brother Mason that's sitting here on, on the platform with us, I love him. He, he, he was like a brother I never had. Okay? And uh, I heard you say, yeah, whenever you asked if I could go on with this. So, <laughs> Case in point, case in point, someone that's coming in out of, 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 of society and to see Brother Mason where he is today 
and say, okay, we have a, a man that works in type of, some type of corporate position in a job within this community. Well, he seems to have a nice car, and his wife seems to drive a nice vehicle, and the son, and, and man, he makes all these trips traveling, you know, for business, and, and so on and so forth. Man, he's doing pretty well. You, you just must have did. You just must come from a pretty good family. You just, you, you know, you just don't know how good you had it to be given this bill of goods. Let me tell you something. I've been along on this trip with him for a few years. And I remember when he and I worked in factory slinging pig bellies. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I remember during the process of time, a man that had a desire to do better for himself and for his family that went to school online, spent late nights, sacrificed hours, both family time and of sleep. Worked his way till he got his associates. Went on and continued to do that. This is abbreviated. Let me tell you, it's abbreviated. Went on to do that till he got his bachelor's and then he got his master's. Went, worked crazy hours at different places, advancing uh, through companies and all the different ones that he was associated with at Toyota, so on and so forth. Lost his job twice by no necessarily thing of his own. It's just welcome to the corporate world mentality. And so you can say, well, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Far from it. What it was is somebody just put forth the due diligence that was necessary. I live my life a little bit vicariously through him. I always wish that I finished school so whenever I see him succeed, I feel like I've succeeded because I'm just attached to him. And so nevertheless, when the sluggard says, man, I got the desire, but he's saying, give it to me. Man, this is a modern-day society. I know I'm going to have to somehow whip down on my kids someday. You know why? Because kids and stuff, they grow up, they get married, and they want to start out where mom and dad are. Well, you no good for nothing. I didn't raise you like You know what? I, I didn't raise you like that. I want to start out where they are. You've got to work for some things in life. And, 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 and if you do, you're going to appreciate whatever it is you garner into your life. Being able, You know what? I, I put some real sweat, blood, and tears you know, in what, whatever it is that we have or, or have a claim to. And so the Bible says in Proverbs 21 and verse 25, and I hope it didn't embarrass you, Brother Mason. Proverbs 21 verse 25, the Bible says, the desire of the slothful killeth him. For his hands refuse to labor. The desire of the sloth will kill him for his hands refuse because he has a desire that he's never willing to fulfill. Does anybody know what a gelding is? Anybody know what a gelding is? Most times it's reference to a horse, male horse, castrated male horse. And they say that geldings to ride and to have are a whole lot more uh, nicer, much more well-behaved than stallions are. But they can't bring life. They're sterile. What I'm saying is this. A gelding may have a desire to procreate, to have babies, but can't due to the castration. A group of horses, I guess you would call them a team, a team of horses with a desire but no function will cease to exist. You have a group of geldings? Be full with all the desire that they want. But if they're incapable in their case of bringing it about, they will cease to exist. They will go extinct. 
But likewise tonight concerning our sluggard, our sloth, he might have a lot of desire, but if he has no activity because he refuses to work and be isolated, he'll be isolate himself, be lonely until his death. He will die with a vehement desire and a want in his bosom, but it'll be unfulfilled because he chose not to do anything about it. You can stand for me. I'm coming to a close. So the sluggard's going to be disappointed because he wants, but he wants on his terms. And his terms are not terms that are reality for the most part. You can count the people that's had it given to them compared to those who had to work for it. I guarantee you the masses are far greater for those had to put in the due diligence to work for it than it was handed to them. They're full of excuses. They procrastinate. They begin a thing, but they don't finish a thing. They make everybody's task around them harder because of their attitude and their persuasion and they're going to end up being disappointed. And so with all of that negativity I bring you tonight and leave you with, that we'll take him next week then and consider the ant, the small, little, minute animal, insect, if you will, that the sluggard is supposed to learn from. Again, nothing deep, nothing revelatory here tonight, but just practical. These are things you can take home and practice in real life and that you see happen sluggard in everyday life, on the job, in the community, in the home, in the home, in the home. I send out sympathy cards right now, and I pray, God, it's not the case that there's somebody in this house that's married to a sluggard. (laughs) Amen. Well, that's, that's enough. Getting a little too practical, aren't we? We're getting a little too practical there. Yeah. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.